Welcome to Deep Drinks Podcast, where the drinks are deep and the conversations are deeper. Welcome everyone to Deep Drinks Podcast, where the drinks are deep and the conversations are deeper. Today we have a really um, special guest uh, and we're going to jump straight into it. So Nitty is our guest and Nitty is an, at the animated atheist who has, a, has long form conversations about religion, cults, evangelicals and apologetics on his YouTube channel. Nitty was part of Dwell Community Church, which was a huge home um, group based church that believes in spiritual gifts, a literal Satan as an adversary to mankind, like a real thing not like an idea salvation through faith eternal judgment uh, for those who refuse salvation or don't get salvation uh, and the imminent return of jesus christ alongside the destruction of the world nitty has become a personal friend of mine and i'm so honored to welcome nitty to deep drinks podcast welcome nitty hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so what's everyone drinking tonight and what more importantly nitty what are we drinking we are drinking Coffee liqueur mudslides. Coffee liqueur mudslides. And so yes. you were originally going to be on camera, but we've had some mm. uh, we had some issues and we you thought, well, actually work works well for you because you're normally um, the animated atheist. So this all makes sense. Right. Um, so you've got your drink set up. I don't have my drink set up, but I'm going to set it up now. So it's two shots of vodka, right? Mm -hmm. One shot of Kahlua and then some coffee creamer. So I've got all those things ready to go. Indeed. And if you people yeah. in the chat use it by its other known name, Slava Ukraine. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, so Nitty, how have you been as I get this drink poured? Uh, well, last night I was rather sleepy. <laughs> if you caught that. Uh, but no, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain too much. I mean, work is uh, work. So, you know, but uh, time and what a place do do? to talk about that. What, what do you do for work, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, yeah. I'm a web developer. Oh. So getting into the online uh, debate space is pretty easy in that regard, right? Because I can run videos all day long. That's why you can see me pop into different chats and daytime streams. <laughs> I was uh, always wondering why you were doing that, why you were like, you're always about, like, you're always there. I was always wondering oh, yes. why that was the case. I am your algorithm boost, whether you like me <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks, everyone, for showing up. This is really cool. What is everyone, what else, everyone else drinking for the night? I've got my, uh, my drink here. It's, uh, can give it a first taste. I haven't tasted this yet. That's delicious. That is really, yeah. that's deadly. That's deadly. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. So, um, Nitty, you're not a Christian anymore, are you? No. Not so, by stretch of... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that this channel doesn't become, like, an atheist. I've got a bunch of um, atheist friends who want to come on, and I've had to actually pump sure. the brakes because we're, I don't want this to just be an atheist talk show. I want to have conversations with all pe different people with different faiths and ideas and beliefs and things like that. But um, but I really wanted to learn more about your story um, be before I start um, reaching out to to more um, uh, uh, people with different ideas. But can you yeah. tell us a little bit about like growing up? Like, how did you grow up a Christian? How did you get involved in Dwell Church? Can you give us like oh, yeah. a... Um, uh, 
a uh, your backstory? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up um, in the Cleveland area, actually, and my mom was raised Catholic, and my dad uh, was raised a heathen. <laughs> but no, seriously, he so like an actual heathen or like a. Uh, well, no, but um, he would tell me stories, though, about since they're um, my family's last name is Demons. And so for their town parade, they would dress all the children in little devil costumes and put them in a cage on the back of a flatbed truck and parade them around the town as the little demons. So... Well <laughs> <That's>, why <laughs> is your is your last name really demons it, for real for real yeah well wow. is that why is that is that like a normal it's like a common name or is that just like no it's super uncommon oh um, okay so back in the uh late 1800s early 1900s when there was mass immigration to the united states a lot of customs workers were just kind of racist or nonchalant about how they uh, dealt with people's names. <laughs> and so the reason there's so many darn Smiths, Johnsons, uh, and things like that in America is because someone would come over from overseas, right? They'd say their beautiful given last name. They'd say, Thomas de Montes. And they'd be like, yep, Thomas Demons, get your ass in here. <laughs> <laughs> or wow. my, my, my mom's family has a really beautiful, and this is not her last name anymore, and I'm not going to give you her maiden name, so I can't get fully doxed here, but it was um, Matusevich. And they shortened that to something, you know, totally bastardized. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, happened all the time. And so that's why you have... Um, different spellings of essentially the same last German family name, things like that, like Obermeier became Overmeier, Overmeier. Like it, there's a whole bunch of stuff, like of why, like how families, right, ended up with uh, without their actual, you know, um, heritage or history. For anyway, anyway, we're way off topic, but. <laughs> And that's, <laughs> that's why, what we do you know, here. That's why sites like Ancestry are so cool because you're able to step back through that and figure out, you know, when that kind of thing happened in your family. Yeah, I recently got my um, Ancestry information back. What's really interesting, though, is mine differs from my mom's. And I didn't realize this about genetics, but um, like my mom can like my mom could have a certain amount of like Italian um, heritage, uh, ethnic heritage in her, but it might not get passed on to me, uh, but it might get passed on to my brother. So like it's it's it was it was really strange. Like my mum, my little brother has like a more olives complexion than I do, um, and that was I think he hasn't done an ancestry test, but I would imagine that he has more of the Italian um, uh, bloodline than I do. Is that a cat? Neat. Yeah, it's my cat Rosie. She. <laughs> cool. um, She's actually been running around the house, goofing around most of the day. And then at the end of the day, she wants her cuddles and played with. She actually is more like a dog than a cat because she like when she's bored or lonely, she'll 
go get her cat toy and drag it through the house and bring it next to me and then look at me like a puppy dog. <laughs> Play with me. I've never had a cat ever do that ever in my life. It's so funny. Bizarre. I always say that people, people, people who say that their cats are awesome describe their cats as dogs. Like, oh, it's so good, oh. so good. This cat's like a dog. <laughs> it's like, right? Yeah, and my other cat, as well. uh, Evie, is just an ornery bitch. <laughs> she like wants like unconditional love one moment, and then you'll be petting her, and she just turns into an complete nutter fur demon and like scratches yeah. your leg and bites you and jumps off of you all claws yeah. out so your legs get all bloody and, yeah yeah i love i love wrestling with cats to do that i always end up with lots of scratches so but back to your story um yeah yeah so i grew up so, um, yeah. uh my mom had like the what she just you know would describe as the uh mountain of catholic guilt to get me into some kind of church experience as a kid. So mm -hmm. we ended up at the start, like being priesters, right? We would go for Christmas and Easter. And my mom was kind of loosey goosey with like spiritual beliefs. She had tarot cards and like wanted to be Christian and wanted to believe in God and Jesus and stuff like that. But she was into tarot too. And she didn't think much of it, right? Um, and then later she tried to get us to have more community and friends. And we had this, I had this aunt, um, who became like a born again Christian in the nineties. And there was a lot of guilt coming from that side of the family for my mom to, uh, basically reconvert in some sense to Christianity and to like repent of her tarot cards and like change her life up and get us in church, right? And so she tried taking me to youth groups and stuff, but by that time I was a weird enough kid that I just didn't fit in <laughs> at all. And I got made fun of a lot. And like, I just didn't click with those kinds of kids because I also didn't know what the heck they were talking about. Like I wasn't going there because I wanted to be a part of church, right? I was going there because mommy dropped me off and there was nothing better for me to do. <laughs> so. Yeah. It just didn't click with me. I didn't, it, everything that I heard there or learned there just kind of like in one ear and out the other, right? It just didn't um, resonate me at that time at all, with me at, at that time at all. Was and it, then, what, type, what type of youth group was it? Was it like a... Um... Um, Non-denominational, just like a bunch of, like they tried to like put you in your like grade school bubble and like in the States, right? We have um smaller pods right of elementary middle and high school right so the youth groups would be broken down in that kind of general bubble right you'd have your fifth and sixth graders together so that's like eight to, not no sorry like nine to 11 year olds and then you got your uh six to eighth graders together or something like that which is like your 13 to 15 16 year olds or no so 15 year olds and then high school is just 15 and whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's how those were generally broken up. Um, but this church in particular, it was like a middle school age group. And then in high school, we kind of fell off the wagon with that stuff when a bunch of stuff happened in my family. Uh, my parents separated. Uh, we almost uh, lost, well, we lost our house. Um, 
and we're almost homeless uh, for a little while. And we were basically like uh, given the opportunity to live with a, in the one side of a duplex that like my friend's family owned <laughs> at like a reduced rent so that we could get back on our feet. Um, and I did pretty well in school. So I was able to get a half scholarship to a Mennonite college. Um, and so I went to a Mennonite college and at this Mennonite school, uh, I learned about there were required Christian classes. So we had to take intro to biblical literature. Uh, we had to choose like one of three Christian or Bible electives or whatever, but you, it was like still required. Um, and I chose like the history of Christianity, like of early Christianity. And then I had to take a um, like Bible ethics class or something like that. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like a liberal arts school. So it definitely is not coming at the Bible in these classes with like a fundamentalist bend or like a young earth creationist bend or anything like that. It's pretty, it's a pretty liberal school and a pretty like open-minded place. And they try to be like one like kind of tenant of being a Mennonite or an idea that was populated to me <laughs> about being Mennonite is you're always pursuing peace, right? Peace over everything. So like, you know, you're going to do your best to tolerate love and respect people, even if at the end of the day, they don't believe in Jesus the same way that you do. Right. Or at all. It, when I Google Mennonite, it comes up with like horse and carriage and like what looks like almost um, like Amish. Right. So the the Mennonites in the U.S. are and Canada are like. I describe them as the Amish who are allowed to drive minivans like <laughs> the and they can vary in flavor and intensity like your kind of evangelical Christian, too. Right. OK. Uh, or or like your your quality of real cacao chocolates. Right. You got the 90 percent. You got your. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So were you part of the Mennonites like like. Like, did you wear the outfits and stuff? Like, were you like, no, what kind of... no, 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 no. So at, in the college, um, again, liberal arts school. And if you're hmm. just not from the States, you, you kind of don't see how it's almost like you got to pull back the curtain in a way and like get down in the weeds there. It's kind of like um, being in like small town America, you know, in a way. Um, but you know, big city kids end up there and you can still wear whatever you can still, um, go to chapel or not go to chapel and things like that. But, uh, there were, you know, more fundamentalist Mennonites, I would say, or like, and, or conservative Mennonites that went who did wear like the little white, um, hair bonnety skull cappy thing. I don't know the real name for it. Um, and men who, uh, very were much less common who wore just mm -hmm. overalls all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, even the lifelong Mennonite professorship, uh, people in professorship there uh, didn't weren't that conservative at all. But they still tried to hang on to uh, the Mennonite ideals of like peace and community 
respect and uh, fostering dialogue and things like that. So that was cool. Like it was never like, you know, you have to be a Christian to go here. Right. Mm -hmm. But we really would prefer it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're definitely in an in-group if you go to chapel and you're in a different kind of group when you don't go to chapel. Right. Yeah. Um, and I ended up in that kind of like social niche there. Um, though I did um, meet some Christians who tried to convert me to Christianity while I was in college there. Um, one in particular, I got in extremely depressed in college and I was suicidal for a time. And I had a young gentleman like praying over me uh, for me to like know God's love and experience him. And I remember crying in this like, you know, Jack dude's arms and feeling weird about it. Uh, <laughs> and, and just being like, yeah, maybe something real happened there. And I went to church for like two weeks and then, you know, quit going. <laughs> uh, like yeah, after right. exams and he graduated, it, that was the end of that. Um, but uh, yeah. And then I met my now wife there. Uh, we dated. Uh, we didn't play by any particular Christian rules. <laughs> We broke a lot of the rules of the Christian school. Like they had rules like um, no no men after 10. Like you can't have uh, the opposite sex uh, in the dorm room after 10 p.m. Yeah. Uh, there's a no opposite sex Mondays. So we would call that no pants Monday. Where you could just walk around. <laughs> just, you know. That's so bizarre. That's so mm -hmm. bizarre. Obviously, uh, and it was a quote unquote dry campus. So me and my buddy would say, we're going to the library, which was <laughs> code for we're going to the liquor store. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. So um, was was your wife who at the time, was she religious at all? She actually grew up uh, Mormon for a time. Okay. And then okay. their family kind of fell out of good graces with that church because her dad uh, kind of was promiscuous. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, yeah, so that didn't work out um, uh, among other reasons for them. And that, but that's her story, you know? Uh, yeah. And she in general though, did really want to like love Jesus or love God to some extent and want mm -hmm. like a godly marriage and things like that. Um, and so going into our relationship, I think um, that was like an ideal that she had like growing up, but you know, reality is different. <laughs> she kind of accepted that, I think. But um, yeah, so I ended up, I graduated in like 2008 um, and I knew about um, like some of the basic arguments for God, like the ontological argument, uh, the cosmological argument um, that people were really convinced in ancient history that Jesus like did all the things and a church started and you know here we are right um, for those could you just give a quick uh, yeah. synopsis of those two arguments oh crap on a cracker um, <laughs> okay just, but, just so just so apologists can say that you never had a true understanding and then oh, fine. put hit put pieces oh, of you. <laughs> So the, what's the the ontological argument is if it's possible that a maximally great being exists in some possible world, 
Um, it exists in all possible worlds. Therefore, a maximally great being exists. Done. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm I'm bastardizing it a bit because I know it's six premises, but they're all they yeah, all sound yeah. the same. So whatever. Um, I've heard all of them in like different different. Like, but I don't know the names. Like, I don't know what ontological. Right. I don't know why that's the ontological argument, um, and the cosmological argument uh, is like well, a bit more. That's the funner one, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, whatever begins to exist has a cause. If the universe uh, began to exist, its cause is God. Therefore. Uh, well, the universe began to exist, therefore it's causes God. Bam. Yeah, therefore there's a cause, and then and then they go, okay, so if there's a cause, we can imagine that cause to be God because even well, hypothetically I still own I still own On Guard by William Lane Craig. I could go get the book. <laughs> wow. I do want to um look into William Lane Craig's books because um uh I I don't think I think he's all over the place, but I think that some of the stuff he says isn't all that crazy. Um, I think it's just right. less crazy. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Okay. So, yeah. We're at going. college. Yeah, yeah. So I left college, right, without any, like, formal kind of Christian belief, right? I just was kind of living my life, doing my thing, uh, being wacky. It's good. It was good times. It was good times. <laughs> and um, I ran into this girl uh, in, like, the stairwell of my parents condominium my mom and stepdad's condominium and she stopped me and was like hey are you a believer and i'm like in what what kind of question is that like <laughs> no one posed it to me that way before right um yeah. and she's like in jesus silly i'm like oh okay um no <laughs> i mean well in what sense like was there a dude sure you know and she's like, well, you should come check out my Bible study. So I'm like, okay, fine. And so like I go to her um, Bible study and it's like this young adult thing in the Cleveland area. And I, uh, hi, Jenna. Um, and it's true. I do. I do love them. Oh, so much. Yeah. Um, yeah so Jenna, Jenna pipes in and says, did you all know Nitty loves titties? So um, I don't so know if that's an inside joke or if she's just informing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so uh, where was I? Oh, right. So, I mean, it just really struck me that, like, people who were young could be doing almost anything else with their time, want to get together and hash through the meaning of the Bible what it what it does for them in their life it mm. it it does muster up this like deep uh not deep but like curiosity in you right when you see people like with their own kind of language of how to talk about the bible how to talk about life how to talk to each other um how they try to soothe each other um and you know quote unquote be there for each other they or love yes. on each other right there's it's something like community yeah, yeah yeah there's there is a uh an alluring nature to that right and mm. you know when you're a christian you call that the aroma of jesus 
We just gotta exude the aroma of Christ. Okay, I never yeah. heard that. That's, that's what kind of gross. Yeah, that that makes me oh, feel uncomfortable. Man. The well, aroma of Jesus. That's uh huh. It's it's biblical, man. It's uh, uh what is it? Uh, uh, First Corinthians or Second Corinthians, where Paul says, uh, "We're like." Uh, yeah, we, we are like the aroma of Christ. To some, we're the stench of death, and to others, we're the beautiful scent of life. Well, maybe that's the maybe I'm the stench of death. Then maybe that's why I'm, I'm thinking it's gross because it's the stench of death to me now. Maybe it's yeah, true. Yeah, Bible proved 100% fact. But the yep. um, oh man, we we used to say like have an encounter with God, or um, Ooh, or yeah. like it was like uh, I need like people would say. Oh, I'm going to Bethel, I'm Bethel Knight, blah, 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 because my church was, some of my people at my church, I call them Bethelers. They're obsessed with the, the Bethel Church in America. They thought oh, it yeah, was yeah, more, yeah. more godly than the, the Hillsongs and the Planet Shakers and the other churches around. So um, they'll be like, I need this right now, and encounter with God, like all powerful, like it's just, yeah, soap opera kind of stuff. Um, yeah, Second uh, Corinthians 2. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are saved and to among those who are perishing. To one, the fragrance from death to death, the other from life to life. You have and, to give uh, it to you have to give it to the Bible that there is some really cool stuff. Like oh like, yeah, ideas. And we'll that. get into I that. I think I want to um I want to do a panel um and we may be doing some panels in the future on this channel um deep drinks panels God. that's. Don't tell anyone. Um, but I want to do a panel where we have a bunch of um, ex-religious people from different faiths talking about beautiful verses in, in, the, in like the Quran and in the Bible yeah. and things like that. It'd just be so we, weird, like a bunch of it. atheists talking about it. Yeah, yeah. great. Anyway, but anyway so yeah, so this, I got allured by that. Yeah, yeah, I got involved in it, and I really, really needed a job, okay? Like, because this is right when... It was the beginning. Hey, Derek. Um, this is right when the economy went to the poop hole during the Obama administration, and everyone was, you know, butthurt for a job. And post college was just rough as all get out to try and uh, get over the bootstrap paradox that basically happens to you in America, where you need a job to have experience, and you need experience to have a job. Right. So until one of those is just handed to you, <laughs> you yeah. are shit out of luck. Right. Someone has to take the gamble on you so that you can become, quote unquote, professional. Right. Or to mm. get into an industry um, or the other classical way that this is for like high school age people. It's like I need a car to have a job, but I need a job to have a car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And it happens to people uh, who just come of age and graduate too. They can't live with their damn parents anymore, but they don't have enough shit to get their life yeah. started. But they don't have yeah. enough shit because they're ah. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like the cycle. Yeah. But anyway, um, so they encouraged me at this uh, little community group to pray to get a job, and like you know, it took a couple weeks. And I don't know, posting my resume places, but oh, an opportunity presented itself. And, you know, I, yeah, oh yeah. And I drove down to Columbus, got an interview. Um, and apparently like the position was originally going to be an internship, but I got it. Um, and everyone's like, yay, you know, Nitty's got a job, you know, we're going <laughs> to pray for him. And 
help him find a church, you know, wherever he moves and he'll be great. It'll be great. Um, and during that time too, I picked up, um, a tactic for reading the Bible called the love method. Have you ever heard of that? No. So you get a journal and you write L O V E. Like, so, uh, you start with the L you're supposed to learn something from the passage you read. You're supposed yeah, this to is amazing. observe something about the passage. And then, oh, what's the V? Oh, verify? No. Verify. It's been like, you know, over a decade. Your church um, sounded a little bit. No, no, like no. This is, hippie, this is still from the Cleveland. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then um, the E I know was express, right? And then, yeah. like, you're supposed to, like, write about how um, this verse applies to your life, right? And how God is, you know, speaking to you through what you've, um, what you've read. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was this, like, journaling practice that they wanted me to take with me. And I still have um, those journals from, like, 13 or so years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um of you know what my thoughts on the bible and what it was saying to me and things like that yeah. um and then so i was kind of feeling pretty aimless and depressed again you know i basically lost all my major friend groups and things like that by moving to kind of the danky area of uh columbus because i didn't have much money <laughs> <laughs> so like every night you know it's police sirens gunshots and um you know, the gas stations with the glass so that, you know, they don't get mugged and stuff. Um, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. It really creeped my uh, fiance slash now wife out, you know, to visit that part of town because she had never really been in the city where, you know, they had that kind of uh, yeah. level of protection and stuff going on on a regular basis. But yeah. I, uh, I'm working there. I love my job. It's a lot of fun, and but I'm still like pretty lonely and like depressed. And I like make some Facebook posts like ah, I'm feeling real listless and lost, and I don't know what to do, and blah blah. Because like I'm a very if you know me from my channel or Twitter or whatever, I'm a very expressive person. It actually takes a lot for me that when something is going on in my life to not kind of like bleh, like let everyone mm. know. Uh, so I, I try to be as open and honest about what's going on in my life as possible. And, um, so a friend that I went to the Mennonite school with reached out to me. and was like, Hey, you should check out this church in Columbus, man. It's like people your age, they, you know, they're excited for the Lord. I met them in new Orleans on a missions trip. They, 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 they might be a good fit for you, man. Here's an email address to somebody go check it out. So I'm like, all right. So um i posted on facebook maybe god is trying to hunt me down like a raptor right this becomes significant later um and uh i check out this i reach out to this person i've never met before and they respond to my email and they're like yeah yeah yeah, come come check out our bible study it'd be so awesome if you came i'm like cool so they give me the address it's on osu's campus and i roll up and I get out of my car, and the first thing I see is this dude in this black leather hat, black 
trench coat, smoking a cigarette, you know, just vibing on this porch, you know, in the fall. And I'm like, uh, is this, uh, is this so-and-so's house? And he's like, yeah, how do you know him? I'm like, I don't, but are you having a Bible study? He's like, oh yeah, man, come on in. And he's like twirling his mustache. He's like, he looks like uh <laughs> like a bullwinkle villain, right? Like that's so good. Yeah, but he was he actually be, ended up becoming a really good friend of mine because when I saw him inside my head I'm like these are my people. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Cuz I was like a goth kid growing up and like you know, the weird one, like I was literally nicknamed the weird kid in middle school. So like all right, if this is the kind of person who can check this out and be at home here, like, yeah, this yeah. is for me, right? And then I go my, in my, and, like... My, my mom used to always say that she's too bent for the straights and too straight for the bents. Like, she needs somewhere, like, in the middle. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that, like, my mom and, and probably I would get along with people like that as well. Like, a little bit worldly, but still, like, on, you know, they're not, you know, doing meth yeah people that don't <laughs> want to be like completely overtly bananas right yeah, yeah yeah so yeah um i go in and it's like yeah a bunch of people who are kind of motley like me in some ways um you know no one's like super sexy you know everyone's just kind of um your average joes or, or maybe pretty nerdy about things um and i remember you know listening to the way that it was like that having that experience all over again of that, um, you know, the way that they talked about the Bible, the way that they prayed, the way that they seemed to take a uh, genuine interest in you, uh, especially when mm. you're new. I mean, I had people like clamoring to talk to me, right? And I thought I was just like overwhelmed by that, right? Because mm. it being, um, uh, <laughs> Um, being like kind of an, you know, most of my life being on the outside of a lot of social circles, um, and not experiencing that real direct, uh, communication and attempt to identify, you know, what I really thought and parse through my ideas and, um, you know, um, Take an, seemingly take an interest in my life and my hobbies and my likes and my dislikes and my journey um, mm. really impacted me because I, I really liked those kinds. I still, I mean, if you go on my channel, you know, I love these kinds of conversations, right? Mm. Where we can talk about uh, deeply personal issues, esoteric ideas, crazy ideas, spiritual ideas. I just love this stuff, right? And, and getting yeah. in the weeds with all of it. And so finding a bunch of people my age that want to hammer through this stuff uh, and do it for hours, I was like, all right, cool. Mm. Like, this is pretty cool. And the more I came around, uh, the more, you know, they responded in kind, right? They were like, hey, you know, do you need help with anything this weekend? You know, let's let's spend some time together. You know, a couple guys asked me to go to a coffee shop and read the bible with them and i'm like oh, okay and so we read romans one and then they asked me like who is this talking about and i was like oh it's talking about like christian hypocrites <laughs> like fox news and stuff like because that's my how rudimentary my bible knowledge even though i had taken like a history of christianity class right i didn't read the bible like cover to cover very regularly yeah. at that point 
I don't know many um, Christians who have read the Bible cover to cover. I don't yeah. know many Christians who even read the Bible, to be honest, hmm, at all. Interesting. But yeah, um, I, uh, so I, um, you know, I'm going there for a couple months at this point, And I uh, remember, you know, feeling like I'm getting quote unquote closer and closer to these guys that are my age and younger, you know, people in college. And hearing this proposition that I need to just invite Jesus into my heart, that I need to have a relationship with God and something about it, like I would describe it as like, quote unquote, clicked for me then. And I was listening to a teaching on first Timothy one, 15, 16, um, where it's like, if, uh, God displayed his immense mercy for me, you know, a murderer, Paul, <laughs> you know, how much more mercy does he have for everyone else? And as a person who is like, viewed themselves as like an outcast and as like a, um, a person who, you know, didn't always live up to their own standards. I'm like, wow, like maybe there is a bunch of stuff I need forgiveness for. Maybe, you know, I, I do need this. Right. And somebody asked me after the, small group discussion like hey do you want to invite christ in your heart and i'm like yeah let's do it and so like he led me through like this kind of prayer type experience of like you know you just have to say god if you really died on the cross for me for my sins and my shortcomings you know come into my heart and he'll do it and i'm like okay and so we did that and i remember crying and then you know him giving me this big hug and being like welcome brother you know like it's like, and he's like, now everything's different, man. Everything's changed. Mm. You know, you're, you're this new person in Jesus Christ. Now that you've done mm. this, taken the step of faith. Right. And you're going to feel like God's presence in your life. And it's going to be amazing. Right. And I'm just like, we, okay, we, yeah. Did you, did they, I used to always say, I guess I think it happened to me when I had a spiritual experience was, there are angels celebrating in heaven right now. They're having a party mm -hmm. for like, yeah, yeah. That language like, came later. Like yeah. when, when uh, I, I'll get to that part too. So like, um, I remember driving home to my ratty apartment, not worried about a thing. Like, I'm like, mm, everything's good. I could just die tonight and whatever. Mm. Um, and that's a, you know, weird feeling when you're like, 23 <laughs> mm. right um and maybe you know i've got a youtube friend i guess you call him a friend i don't know but he'd be like that's the blessed assurance nitty how can you be denying that now right mm. um like well <laughs> yeah. so uh but once you make that kind of decision the dynamics of all your social engagements completely change with those people because now you're one of them right yeah. you're in you have and they're getting a lot of this from the bible right where it mm. says like if you are in christ you are a new creation second corinthians 5 um when you are in christ you're adopted into god's family ephesians 1 3 through uh, 13 14 right you're marked in him with the promised Holy Spirit. It's a seal guaranteeing your redemption of those who are God's possession. Um, you are a child of God. And 
we all share these fundamental qualities that are inalienable to you once you are a true Christian, right? First uh, John three one. Uh, see how great the love of God that we are now His children, or something like that. Mm. Um, so <laughs> they really would draw upon Scripture to be their external authority in that regard, to kind of cement you into. Uh, that kind of new identity language, that rebranding of yourself. And that is how they would then change the way that your relationships kind of work, right? There's new expectations now, too, that you're a Christian, right? Since you have the Holy Spirit, you you ought to be able to agree that you need more time with Christians, yeah. right? Because if we're God's family, we have to learn how to love the right way. Right. And we got to learn mm. how to love together the right way. So why don't you check out our men's Bible study group? So at this point, I was already going to a Monday night thing and a Thursday night thing. And then yeah. I come to this Friday night thing. I'm like, it's a bunch of dudes hanging out and we get to drink afterwards. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds great. <laughs> the, the, the thing, too, is do you notice that when you get more and more involved, because that that initial uh, experience of giving your life to Christ or that mm -hmm. spiritual thing that happens or whatever, you have this like huge boost of like energy and zest for life, but eventually that starts to fade. Right. And eventually the conversations start to talk about you need to keep that, you, you need to like work hard at like keeping it going. So um, you yep. need to attend church, you need to read the Bible, you need to pray, you need to like force yourself to work hard at your relationship with God. Um, yep. No longer is it something that's like you're looking forward to and you're waking up. Like when I first got saved, I would wake up in prayer or I'd wake up thinking about the Bible straight away and want to read the Bible. But eventually um, it was such like it was hard. It was really mm -hmm. hard. And I had to like work at it and became like this thorn in my side, like right. the belief here. And it was hard to do. Uh, and you go yeah. through this like, you know, you have those moments where and you feel good at the end of a worship session or a prayer session. And then. You know, a few days later, you 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 like, oh, I don't want to go, and then you go back, and then they call this the 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 um fighting the flesh, right? Like mm -hmm. fighting, yep. you know, the spirit and the flesh are fighting all the time. Principalities, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's something that we would, and I'm going to shift to using we now because this is something that. Um, so let, let me try and get up to speed to that we part. So, um, mm -hmm. I start going to that. And then, you know, seeing how, how, how much value is placed on learning the Bible and becoming like an expert in it in this community and the, how much, um, I don't want to call it fame, but I guess that's like a, a an easy way to put it, um, or notoriety you get from trying to reach out to people, evangelize to them, and then have people under you that you study with, that you mm. teach the Bible to, and hopefully in uh, to do the process of, um, I think it's like a, in First Timothy 2, right? Teach reliable men who will then teach others, right? Th this idea of replication is so important to this uh, group and so highly valued that you need to be replicating yourself, right? And if you're doing it, you're extolled in the community. You're viewed as 
a valuable asset for God. You're viewed as uh, uniquely gifted. Um, and I wanted to pursue that, right? I wanted to be, since I was the outcast, right, for most of my life, now I get to be this in-member, this leader, this influencer, this um, evangelist, this righteous, good person who's able to, you know, affect an eternal change in people, mm. right? When, it, when the rest of my life felt like just this dumbass hamster wheel of pushing code that gets deleted in two years or whatever, right? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, uh, so I worked really, really hard at becoming exactly that. I've taken uh, probably hundreds of hours of their Bible classes easily. Like I, at least my college, uh, the amount of hours I spent in college classes is lower than the amount of hours I spent in Christian classes, like Bible wow. adjacent classes, so, for sure. So is this, was this home group that you're part of, is this the dwell that you were mm -hmm. talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so um, easily. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many times, you know, I've talked about Calvinism, Arminianism, uh, you know, the structures of different denominations and why we didn't have that. And uh, oh my gosh, it, it really, it's crazy. We, we can talk more about that later. But um, so at some point though, you go through all that training, right? Over the years. And I taught a few different people who came and went throughout the church. I, um, you know, in gave quote unquote, gave my life to them and building them up in the faith and things like that. And when you're doing that, you can eventually become like a small men's group leader. Right. And yeah, that's almost exactly what it looks like. And um, yeah. you become a, uh, you know, small home church teacher, right. Or a sit in leader and then a leader, right. Of a home group where you're able to influence like 30 people in your close community. Um, so, yeah, uh, and I was doing everything I could to pursue that. And I remember teaching things like when you witness someone receive Christ, there's a party in heaven. Right? The <laughs> angels are dancing. God has so much joy over one sinner who repents. I mean, have you even read Luke 15? Can I get an amen? Right. And we had in the college age. Uh, ministry, they send out an email basically every time someone makes a commitment to Jesus. So like they'll blur out their name for privacy. I don't know if they still do this, but they definitely did. Um, so and they and they would give out all the details of like, um, you know, what that person's um, hangups were with God, right, or Christianity. <laughs> And like how they work through those things. And then, ta-da, they got converted and praise God. And they're so excited to read their Bibles and things like that. Um, and the other thing that we would do is in our prayer groups, like instead of the email, right? It would be like, well, Jackie's coming to our church and she's questioning her sexuality. So if there's a teaching <laughs> on sex, you know, don't bring it up. Let her bring it up, right? And like that would get voiced to like a prayer group of people without her consent. Right. Yeah. And no, that, uh, it, like yeah. 
the night that I had my spiritual experience, my spiritual experience at the youth group, the, there was a bunch of youth at the front praying for me because I didn't want to go up the front. They were praying in a circle to like pray for me. Yeah. And they finally got the courage, these youth to come up and prophesy over me. Um, but looking back, I'm like, they would have known about me because like one of the youth girls, like, you know, would have told told them about me. So they would have known that like I was the depressed kid at school and yada, yada. And then right. coincidentally, all the things they're prophesying are <laughs> in line with how I'm feeling. Um, right. I know that you feel like you don't matter. I know that, you know, and it's mm -hmm. just like they share stuff behind the scenes. Uh, they don't realize like it's not like a devious. It's act. not nefarious. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I make that clear. There's a video I have on my channel about it. It's a it's a hot reading tactic, basically. Right. Mm. Um, and in the homiletics class that is offered through them. You're instructed to use heat and light in your Bible teachings. And the heat is purposefully sitting down and thinking about how does this Bible passage speak to the situations going on in my home group? Ergo, is this a passage about money when so-and-so just bought a car, right? Is this a passage about money when so-and-so just, you know, took a very expensive vacation? right or or spent you know on something frivolous or i view as frivolous then yeah this is my opportunity to bring heat to them right hmm. and you know or like is this a um a bible teaching about acceptance or belonging well yeah we've got a lot of kids who are socially outcasted in this group so we should definitely do this bible teaching right so that we can bring the heat and the relevance of god's word into their lives right it's yeah. no different than these people who pay like a hundred dollars to go see a psychic and the psychic gets all their ticket information, looks them up on Facebook and says, I'm seeing someone related to a Tom who has a pickup truck. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, and that shit the, is because their friend, their friend or their brother-in-law is named Tom with a freaking pickup truck in his profile picture. Right. It's the same yeah. shit. It's just yeah. dressed up in biblical trappings right well the, i remember uh do you know who reggie dabs is no he's this really 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 good um speaker and he speaks to teens all the time uh, he's like a preacher really really funny really like he's, he's a cool dude but one of the things he did at a um planet shakers conference i was at you know so we're in a room full of all room for thousands of people three thousand people and they're all teens and he does his sermon and people are like, you know, praying and like the altar calls happen that you can't, there's, there's not enough room for an altar call. So you just stayed in your seats. But, um, but you know, everyone's, you know, crying and raising hands in the air and stuff. He, he runs back on stage, interrupts the band. And he's like, God told me that if I wanted to go to sleep tonight, I needed to tell, I need to just say this. And everyone's like, Whoa. And like, I don't think that he was trying to mislead anyone. I think that maybe he really felt God say this. And he's like, there's someone in this room who has something in their pocket and God doesn't want them to have that in their pocket. Now, that could be so many things. And he talks about like, you know, us being two different people, being someone with our friends versus someone at church. That could be so many things. That could be uh, a smartphone that someone was looking up porn on. That could be right. drugs. That could be, um, you know, a phone number in a phone of, of the boy that the girl knows that she shouldn't be messaging. Um, that could be, it could be anything, right? It yeah. could, it's, it's relatable to absolutely everyone in that, right. in that group. 
Um, wow. It could be the money. Like maybe they maybe they felt like they should have given more money to the title. Yeah. Or even just <laughs> even just like maybe I should have given more money to the tithe and offerings. Like mm, so like yeah. there's 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 no way for that not to hit. And then as a result, obviously the room erupts like um in in um in that. But it's the same thing, but as these these um these uh you know mediums and stuff but i feel like for the for most of the time i, I don't think they realize like i don't think they're doing it nefariously i don't think they're like how do we get them to have a more crazy experience i think it's right. it's genuine most of the time mm -hmm. um anyway yeah and that's how i view my own actions right in in taking these kinds of steps right it's this is how i defined loving a person Mm. is letting the community know how they can help yeah <laughs> or right or um how i can uh you know work in concert with god mm. to bring the truth and power of his message into their into their life and, and, and the same kind of process would be used for you know the uh the idea of using scripture to rebuke someone right yeah so you know you witness someone's actions and you're like hey man hey brother you know you did mm. this thing and here's what god has to say about it you know what do you think about that um <laughs> you know i think the you should repent bro. <laughs> but hey I, who, who am i like yeah. um yeah. yeah there's and there's also like we used to have the same thing with um homosexuality right like so i had, oh, I had yeah. um people say well it's not love to just say it's okay like it's it's love mm -hmm. to tell them that that's a sin that will stop them from going to heaven that's love yep. because you're telling them the truth mm -hmm. um and so i can see where they're coming from but at the same time um they can fuck right off in my opinion like <laughs> i don't i know it's coming from they might think it's coming from a good place and everything right. but i've got too many gay friends that that has ruined their life so they can fuck right off in my opinion yeah. yeah, and I actually got flack um, a couple of times in that community for trying to uh, be more engaged with the, uh, you know, non-straight community in Columbus, which is rather large, um, mm -hmm. and reach out and evangelize to those people. Um, I <laughs> And uh, part of it was because they viewed... Uh, some of it was because maybe one person might have been attracted to me, right? And I'm not responsible for that. So I, what do I care, right? Like, hmm. I don't know. But then the other uh, part of the problem was, you know, they want to be, this community's weird, right? I would say that it's like, there's something deep inside them that wants to be fundamentalist and like ardent and inflexible. But at the same time, they really are averse to taking on those kinds of hard stances. And so it, it's totally random when the hammer comes down on you <laughs> for something, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's usually just up to like the subjective preferences of the particular group you're in as to how much discipline or flack you'll get for something that just goes a little bit too far or was that one slip up too many times or whatever um or this idea that you're trying to hold on to that they just can't accept as like a valid theological proposition um 
you know, you might be able to get away with it for a while if you're like a home church leader or something. But if you're a lay person, nope. <laughs> get too far mm. out of line and you're gone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was talking to my, my mom and I have been re, you know reconnecting a lot lately. And um yeah, and I was talking to my mom the other day about like so many Christians I know like sort of just lie to me about stuff. Like they'll like mm. they'll they'll blatantly lie in order to like either cover themselves it's usually they'll lie about church like so she was talking about how she had a friend who said that they were going to church that morning and then said oh church is finished early um so i'm, I'm you know we can hang out early and mom's like no the church didn't like i know the church wouldn't have finished early and then she like even went on their website and saw the times and then she was like asking them stuff like you know um what, what was the sermon about like you know how was church like and all this stuff and the person was just like squirming in their chair and like trying to win and it's like why are you lying about this like you know oh, you know man. you're hellbound right like you know that i'm going to the same place you are and your and your belief system like how can you why would you lie about that like right you know sin is sin wow you know if i don't believe that's a sin and if you don't believe that's a yeah, sin yeah. i'm sorry buddy like you're bearing uh, false you... witness my bro it's so weird to me that wow. they can be so okay with lying um but sure but then also trying to get you say it's 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 strange it's like i don't i don't get it um right yeah, yeah and i think one of the more overt lies that exists within that community is like oh we're lgbtq friendly when i i think that is like the most heinous and frustrating and inaccurate thing they could ever say about that community ever because mm. at the end of the day if someone who has like any kind of um non-hetero sexual identity or expression or um desires they are going to be dragged kicking and screaming mm. or you know at the threat of losing all the people who quote unquote love them to some mm. form of conversion type therapy or suppression yeah right or 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 urged into a life of celibacy right and because that's what jesus would want and for them to say like that's friendly that's yeah. love i just can't get on board with that and i will be like angry about that and i yeah but like you know because my own uh father my biological father is trans and so that's its own thing right and so I had to walk like a fine line in my own theology and thinking and developing of the relationship there. Hmm. There, there's a um. I live in a relatively new suburb. It's only been like around for like three or four years. We moved in. We built a house here in 2019, and um, there's this new church that was getting opened up in our community. And like this person, the pastor of this church, put like a video of him walking around the streets, like talking about the love of God, like, you know, he walk on, you know, near the playground and everyone's like, whoa, and then he'd walk down one street and everyone's like, whoa, like in his little video talking about how he wants to start a church to like blah, blah, blah. And I commented and I said, hey, is your church friendly to LGBT, the LGBT community? And because um, he asked for questions and um, and then he, he said, oh, I'll private message me, you because it's such a touchy subject. He private messaged me this long thing, right? This long, like, thing and it was essentially the argument could be boiled down to um we're not going to make anyone do anything but in some people in their faith they might find that they have to walk away from the homosexual lifestyle but um but you know we're not going to make anyone 
Um, and I said, cool. And I said, yeah, like, I said, that's all good and everything. But like, you know, would you say the same thing for slavery? Like, because obviously, and I referenced like Dr. Josh, you know, I referenced all the, his, his work. I referenced the, the Bible stuff and, you know, and I was like, bang, 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 like slavery here, slavery here, slavery here, slavery here. It was never um, taken away from the New Testament. You know, so would you would you say to people that it's okay to own slaves and crickets? And then I'm messaging and I go, hey, just just wondering if you've had time to to um, to to look at that. And once again, it was crickets again. So um, it's just like, damn, you know, um, it's like, at what stage do uh, at what stage do is like what stage do you call them out like publicly for this kind of stuff? Like it's not love. It's um, yeah. I completely agree. Hold on. So you might hear my kids in the background. Uh, <laughs> my okay. son likes to wear his hamper on his head, and my daughter oh, okay. loves to brush her teeth in this room. So okay. <laughs> but yeah, they're good now. They're um fighting mommy tooth and nail right now so yeah anyway um where were we right well, yeah well, yeah he... yeah what point so i think um what's interesting and something i will say is that people uh from this community are aware some are aware that i run a channel and some are not some are completely ignorant they're like oh that's something you do oh oh okay all right so it's interesting to me that even people in that home group are not, or, or maybe they lied to my face. I don't know, but <laughs> it's possible. Um, anything is possible. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I know that the rumor mill gets around. And one of the things that I hope if, you know, people who are from there or um, I interact with, you know, outside of YouTube and in real life is that I'm doing that not to be anti them as a person. Mm. Right. And I try on my, I've adapted over time on my approach to calling this stuff out from being just kind of angry and coming from a place of hurtness to, yeah, we're, we all sincerely thought this, this is how we did things. This is how, we organized our beliefs and organized people and, you know, tried to manufacture faith in them and things like that. I get all that and I care about you. Right. But I just disagree now. Right. I don't mm. think that's the best way to do things and supporting you. If you must identify yourself with an institution that goes about it this way, then I guess we have an issue. But for the most mm. part, I I can easily identify that the rest of the time when you're not doing stuff related to that community, you are a well-adjusted, hardworking, um, decent parent, right? Mm. They're just trying to get by the rest of their life, right? And this mm. other community does other serves other functions for them that I don't think are entirely some of them are not necessary some of them are and I get that I get that they need that and I don't want to necessarily take that part away but I would prefer that some of the um, 
harmful, you know, ideas, the um, toxic, you know, theology and um, cultiness. Let's turn all that down a little bit. <laughs> hmm. Let's take a step back from that kind of stuff. And then we'll keep talking, right? Um, and so that's, you know, the primary purpose of my channel and some of its playlists and some of my responses to things that I've done um, since stepping away from the community. And I will say, like, for bored 18 to 25-year-olds, right, that are, especially men, that don't, and I think Nathan of Digital Gnosis also notices this with different kinds of Christian communities, that there's a strong tendency for these kinds of uh, able-bodied, uh, energetic, wanting to be purposeful people get sucked into ideologies pretty easily during this age bucket, right? And I think it's a lot from how we've kind of created that um, find your life gully in in the mm. West, right? Like 18 to 25 is like when you discover, you know, this is the person you're going to be. This is like the direction your life is going to take. So then when you're given promises, like your life can have eternal significance, your life makes the most sense in this community or in this ideological framework. And you're already primed as a youth to think of your future as this is the time where I seize my life. And I make start making something of it. Um, mm. You know, it. I think that's doing something to us as a culture and a society, especially in America, that lends itself to these um, radicalized or culty kind of uh, ideologies and groups uh, that we're seeing <laughs> rise up all the more, right? Um, yeah, it's it's funny only because it's not funny. Um, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I actually but I think they do it that this community is just mastered in a way. Um, mm. Their uh, what's the word implementation of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, it does a great job of insulating just enough that it can't be labeled as like a Jim Jones or a Jamestown type situation, but enough so that emotionally right it's a oh what it's like there's a a name for this it's like bound decision making or something um in cult studies um where like if you don't make the decision that's in favor with the group or the group ideology then you're gonna pay a lot of social cost right mm. um and well, it's gonna I... be very painful well, I actually wanted to to move on to the part yeah. in the conversation where we talk about churches and cults and like how do we de de determine mm -hmm. the difference? Because a lot of what you were saying uh, uh, lined up with what I experienced, and I, mm -hmm. you know, I've had people say that I was involved in a cult, but I don't necessarily, I don't know. It'd be good to explore. But before we do that, I just wanted to get everyone to make sure you go subscribe to Nitty's channel. Um, mm -hmm. It is, it is a fun channel, uh, and you're growing growing quite quickly, and you have a lot of. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, a lot of uh, like you, you're mentioning how like you have you know this many subscribers, and you get like a lot of a lot of those people are watching your content, which is really cool. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a it's a real fascinating thing to me too because well, I think now my demographics are like 70, 30, 
70% of my views are subscribers and 30 are not. And for every video, I have almost as many views as I have subscribers, right? <laughs> so either every one of you mofos watches every day, I don't know. Um, or, you know, I, that 30% is just going to grow and grow and grow. But uh, you'll notice too, so I've got interviews of people who've uh, left my community. I've had Objectively Dan and Michael Granado on. Um, some people that have been very influential to me in the community, Pine Creek Doug. Um, I love doing interviews. I love hearing from people, their perspectives, and exposing them to the other Christians I interact with um, so that those other Christians, too, are more aware of the other skeptics and influencers that have a voice yeah. in my life. Um, and the other thing I do on my channel as like a really, you know, goofy thing is I try my best to do moderated open hangouts and things like that, where we talk about beliefs or non-beliefs and yeah. things like that. You can definitely see the shift in my channel of just kind of like, I'm making stuff to be bitter and say some things <laughs> <laughs> to, okay, like I, I'm kind of more removed from the difficulty of the situation. So now let's talk. Right. And this past week I had, uh, I did a lot on my channel. I, did a Halloween thing where I dressed in three different costumes over the course of the stream. I was a donut, donut <laughs> box, and then Venom. Uh, that one was a blast. Um, and uh, I did that Wednesday stream, the short one, uh, to boost the algorithm of what you search on YouTube about that community. And then I got to interview Captain Dadpool. He's a great guy to just hang out with. His TikTok is awesome and educational. And then Pastor Lucky was the same night. <laughs> oh, so I wow. went back to back. And then um, Pastor Lucky is one of the people I'm going to have on, but I'm trying Great. to get a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we've been talking, but I'm trying to get more, a bit more um, religious people on. And then I had an absurdly uh, long stream last night where uh, by the end of my fourth beer, I got a little nappy. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good and people are like nitty end the stream you're tired <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> that's okay. so good well everyone go check out nitty's channel it's it's really awesome it'd be, it'd be great to see um your, your subscribers jump over this um yeah. after this and for those who uh, aren't subscribed to this channel um deep brings podcast Thanks. we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers when we get to a thousand we're going to be doing a charity stream um to raise money for um a, an awesome charity um, next week we have Biddy Buddha coming on to talk about ritual ag uh, agnosticism, so tarot cards, so crystals, Excellent. doing it for fun, even though you don't necessarily believe it. And then we have student Dr. Ben coming on to talk about uh, his journey um, being a trans man uh, and, yeah. of course, uh, everything that comes along with that, which will be really interesting. And if you like, um, um, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can listen to it on the way to work. Uh, if you just search Deep Drinks or there's a link in the description, you can you know get the uh get it on apple podcasts and spotify and everything else like that so yeah so let's jump into the culty stuff let's find out and i'm gonna as uh, maybe you should give a little bit of a preamble to what we're going to talk about because i'm going to pour myself another drink uh, yeah go for it so hit us up what are we what are, what's what's a cult okay so actually very recently on micro granado's channel we talked about this and i made an effort to i i've created in my own kind of methodology and thinking kind of four categories of 
religiosity, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. So first off, you have like over on, let's say like one end of the scale, the low end of the scale are just beliefs, right? With, and some of the, most of these beliefs are probably things that are benign, don't have any real impact on your lived experience or the world and things like that. Um, they're whatever, right? And they're personal to you. Um, they're unique to you and you can hold them. And I don't take any particular issue with that, but you could fundamentally call that a baseline for a religion, right? If you get enough of these kinds of beliefs about the world that follow like certain coherence rules or um, <clears throat> are kind of interconnected to serve their narrative um, or whatever, like that could fundamentally be a religion, right? Then you have what I would call the um, the cultists of that of those beliefs, right? So maybe some of those beliefs do have real world um, impact or value or direction, right? So maybe I have a belief that um, if I rub my nipples clockwise and counterclockwise at the same time, you know, I'll get a special blessing, right? So that's the, the rubbing of my nipples is the... I love that your uh, hand is actually moving on your animated character to your yeah. nipples. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that would be a, cult a cultist practice of that belief, right? So if I gain more followers and they say nipples be upon you, um, you know, then we know, right, that people have taken their belief of for that blessing on and are performing that practice and ritual and adopted my language and things of thinking about that. And now I've ruined your podcast monetization, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, you have stuff like that, right? Or if you pray at certain times of day, right? Or if you offer certain types of food or animals or sacrifices, whatever it might be, that's the cultus of your beliefs, right? And again, mm -hmm. those things can have, they can be relatively insignificant. Maybe some people's cultist beliefs are pretty strange. Like there's actually this one type of religion that has to carry around basically like a weapon. <laughs> and they like... Uh, sheiks. Well, yeah, sheiks. Yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah. And so that one to some people has significant impact, but to most others, it doesn't, right? Um, mm. And then you have uh, what not, I call... Sorry, not... Did I say Sheik? My God, these drinks. Sheik is Seeks. a character from Zelda. It's Seek. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. my God. I knew what so, you were getting at. Yeah, yeah, Seeks. Which, by oh, the way, um, the Seeks, the they, they carry that sword to defend people who need defending. That's the idea of it. Right. But the Seek the Sikh Temple... Have you heard about the Sikh Temple? Just to randomly derail. Um, have you heard about the Sikh Temple in like the big Sikh temple, the golden temple. Oh. So no, the Sikh temple is completely run by volunteers. I'm just trying to find out how many um, they feed. Um, oh, and they, they feed charity feed people. They charity feed oh, awesome. um, 100,000 people a day. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. And it's run completely by volunteers. It's all vegetarian because Sikhs are vegetarian. And you're like, damn, like that's, that's cool. That's like religiosity I can get behind. Um, yeah. It is what even Jesus would get behind, right? Feeding the mm -hmm. poor and all that. Yeah. I just think that's but so anyway. cool. Um, anyway, back to you. Yeah, back so to you. you've got just religious beliefs, 
the cultists of those beliefs. Then you've got your cult-ish stuff, right? Mm -hmm. this, th this is where your beliefs and your practices are so intertwined and fundamental to your lived experience that they take significant amounts of time, effort, or social costs, right? Where uh, you are asking other people to participate in your type of ritual or your type of way of speaking. Um, you introduce, um, you know, frameworks for understanding, you know, your lived experience through your beliefs. Um, and you can even see like the cult ish happening in like fitness type groups, right? Like being a gym bro, right? Have you, you know, skipped leg day, right? Like we all know what that's like referring to and the consequences and like the humiliation aspects that are all, you know, intertwined with that. But then think of that in terms of Christianity. Well, are you deep in your word, right? That's where it's mm. cultish, right? If Because if you're not engaged in the cultists of being deep in your Bible, whatever that means, then the cultishness of your social group will make you pay a price for that, right? Or they'll just say, oh, man, that's too bad, you know, or like, mm. man, I was deep in my word and right. They'll extol it as like a valued behavior or practice. Um, and then I would then have that fourth and final bucket of a cult is where you do see a central leader or organizer, right. That's infallible and they're like the source of truth. Right. Or I, I would even go so far as to say that you can have it happening at a, as like a deputized organization level, right? That the founders of the organization were so good at maintaining their systems of control, their frameworks, their um, social uh, punishments, and um, their um, influence and maybe like the reward like the internal rewards for uh staying in the group they're so good at it that it it, it self-perpetuates after that right it's like a mm -hmm. self-replicating culty machine <laughs> and so that's where i would put like i'd have that four bucket spectrum right and you can end up anywhere kind of on that spectrum depending on how committed you are to your, you know, base level beliefs, how engaged you are in the cultists of those beliefs, how, um, how much interaction the cultists of those beliefs plays on your life. And then does that rise to the level of, you know, completely excluding or removing people from your life or um, condemning them to eternal, you know, damnation? If they don't go through all three tiers with you, right, then you might be in a cult. So this is this might be offensive, and I, I hope it's not. Oh. But would Jehovah's Witnesses be a cult then? I think so. Yeah. And because they like they like they defellowship yeah. like people and uh, oh totally. Yeah. Yeah, and Lloyd Evans is uh content and channel was actually pretty uh was like one chip 
in the deconversion process for me too, because the parodies of like Jehovah's Witness kinds of teachings and ways of talking about like, we have the truth, we know what's up. Um, this is the correct way to see reality. I could see those parodies in the way that I talk and the way that yeah. I framed reality and the way that I understood things coming from the Bible. Um, would, would Mormonism yeah. be a cult then or some sex of Mormonism? I would definitely give them a highly cultish to certain sects being cultic right? or being cults rather. So like, Can, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like what's needed is we need to continue this conversation another time. Okay. I need to come onto your channel and we need to oh, have yeah. a tier list of like, cult yeah. like we need to like create like a dating and we'll just stick certain churches and religious groups on this yeah side. <laughs> agree. Cool. yeah <laughs> and the, and there's times where i think that even like a community like the one i left that maybe particular home groups slide themselves down that scale yeah right and others slide themselves up that scale but it's a function of who leads those groups who does the teaching how much power they attempt to wield how much influence they try to garner over people's uh, life decisions and their relationships or their you know sexual expression all that stuff right um it's so, also yeah, it, it's yeah. also gets really complicated too because like you know well it, well hang on there's it, something important i want to say really quick it's yeah, that, yeah um sorry to interrupt you but um it's that's where I think they're for us, <clears throat> they're frustrated and the greater community around them are frustrated is that they look at cult is this black and white kind of very defined idea, right? And they sleep at night by saying, we're not that, right? We're not mm. that bad, right? And what well, I'm trying to- They don't think they're bad at know, all. Right, yeah, yeah. Where I'm mm. trying to do is, you know, shake them, be like, no, like, I'm not saying you're that bad either. <laughs> but yeah, okay. there, there are times, right? There are sectors of this community that because of what you believe and how you believe it and how you enact it, that slide people up that scale, right? That 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 get you into the danger zone. And I'm trying to mm. let's let, let's let's dial that back. Let's dial that back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That so, what I was going to say is, it's hard. It, it, the 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 definition of like cult becomes a little bit hard because you have things like Islam, and Islam has like some really, really, really big consequences for leaving Islam. Like in in oh, like yeah. eight countries, eight countries apostasy can be is a death sentence, right? Um, <laughs> now, not necessarily. Like I think they might get they might like if you leave Islam in some of those countries, it might just be like, you know, torture and. Uh, a year of imprisonment if you choose to go back on your decision to leave Islam and become a Muslim again. But if you choose to remain not a Muslim, you you will be put to death. Um, yep. So, but the thing is, like, that's a, that's become, like, a criminal, um, like, governmental action, not necessarily a group of people. So it's like, right. it's like, it's like, is that, is that, could, could Islam be considered a cult in those in that situation or is it just that the cult's been become or is it just that, that religion has become so influential that now the government is essentially run um 
as the religion. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it, like well, it comes in America, with there are people that want it to be that way, right? That yeah, a theocracy. They, they, yeah, they want this to become a Christian nature. So, uh, nature, nation. <laughs> so, they, they, you know, they view this as like their fundamental, you know, right and purpose to recreate this country and whatever their understanding of Jesus's image would be. And um, I think that is in, in essence, just a cult with more, with more power, more resources, right? It's what? a, and it might be yeah. the minority even, but like, because they have access to the guns and the money, like, you know, it screws over everyone else because, <laughs> that's who that's who won the struggle i guess one thing that i think a lot of um right-wing um conservative christians um fail to that they 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 would hate for me to say this but it's true and that is they have more in common with a fundamentalist muslim than they do with um say like a liberal green-haired feminist like like Oh, like, sure. uh, because like, you know, they want women to cover up. They think men should be the head of the household. They're like, mm -hmm. there's so many things that they're like, they're like on par with. Um, and, and, but, but then they're the same group of people who are totally terrified of, um, Islam, uh, and, you know, having Islam, you know, Muslims you know come really to funny America. Is that you play back like a, um, a, uh, heteronormative like pastor and then have like that on one half of your screen. And then you have like Andrew Tate basically expressing the same idea. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh there there is an and amazing like, video. And then you end it with, bro, you're almost Andrew Tate. <laughs> yeah. There's there's actually an amazing video. I don't know who did it, but they um they they got a Bible and they put it in the cover of like a Quran and they went around and asked people um what they thought of. Um, these Quran verses, and they're all like, "This is disgusting," <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, it's oh, actually the no. Bible." And then, like, so many people, like, people stormed off. People got real angry. Like, people were shocked. It was so. It was pretty funny. And that's um, it flashes that's back a great to the first way video. To generate some dissonance, though. Yeah, it's I. I the first video I ever did was um, I read through the Quran. I got a Muslim friend and I was like, I want to learn about the Quran. And I read through it and I was like, this is, a lot of this is very beautiful. A lot of it's disgusting. So is the Bible. But so I was like, I wonder if people could even tell a difference. So I created this quiz and I, um, this like Google quiz and I put it on Facebook and it was like, is this a Quran verse or is this a Bible verse? And like, mm. I changed some of the terminology. So I like changed like the word Allah to God or I changed you know, things. And most people got right in the middle, like a 50-50. Um, and most Muslims got like 80 to 90%, like they got really good. And, um, Christian youth pastors and stuff got like 15 to like, got like, um, 75%. Um, but most other people were just right in the middle. I had no idea which one was the inspired, <laughs> perfect word of God and which one was, um, you know, oh the spawn God. of Satan, evil, corrupted, you know? So it's wow. just, it's just amazing. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, wow, well, it doesn't that make you think that. You can't tell the difference between the voice of God, like the inspired perfect word of God, and mm -hmm. something you consider so evil. So, yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting thing. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and that kind of uh, gradient scale to go back to the, the cultiness, right? Uh, I think is a product of spending, you know, this last 
year and a half or so on my YouTube journey out of Christianity, right? And trying to separate out, like, because I see it even happening in different, like, comment and chat sections on YouTube, is that the way certain people talk about their person that they follow, their ideas that they champion, it's all, a lot of it has the same kind of uh, allure and mysteria and like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of um, uniqueness, right? And reaching of identifying with this group, right? That is basically like forming their own little like pocket YouTube cults. <laughs> mm. um, and, you know, you see it on, I and I'm a firm believer that I think every Christian needs to go like, comment, and subscribe to many Christians that they disagree with and see how long they can endure listening to their, like, affirmations of how they view the Bible as just completely true and then try and hold on to their own, right? Like Troy Black, Kane Ash, Kat Kerr, all of that. Like go invest yourself in that and try <laughs> and say that now when you go read the Bible, you are really hearing from God. <laughs> I dare mm. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing I learned in my deconstruction though was um, most people don't care. Like, they don't care about oh, their beliefs. Yeah. They don't care if they're true. They don't care if, like, it's only when, and I don't know if I would have even cared either. I, I think the only reason I started caring was because I was hurt by the church. And I also had a gotcha. deep fascination with science. If I didn't have something to jump to, like, if I didn't have something that was, like, in conflict with um, my religious um, ideas, like like science, yeah. that, that caused me to want to, you know, you know, fix that issue, like cross, like cross the T's and dot the I's. Then I want, then I wonder if I would have ever, like, I wonder if I'd still be a Christian now. Um, because for me, it's the I opposite. Feel like... I cared too much. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like I yeah. said, I pursued being a leader and stuff, right? And like, you know, I can still do like my Daniel nine prophecy teaching, right? Like, I, mm. <laughs> I you know, heavily invested myself in the apologetics channels before uh, I started stepping away from that and looking at well, what skeptics on YouTube are saying. What do you think, mate? Because, because, because what I, when I say that, I think that I wonder if I'd care is I'm talking about like more like really fundamentally, like why did I, because I noticed that a lot of people, they have like beliefs, but they, they, they call them like sticky, I call them like sticky beliefs. So Therefore, if like, so if, if, if someone's like, um, oh, I'm a liberal, right? Then when someone asks them, well, how do you feel about abortion? They like scan their brain. What does liberal think about abortion? And then they just say, oh, okay, like, yeah, they, they slot in. So, uh, so when, when someone's like, is, is a Christian, you know, you can even ask some like devout Christians like, oh, do you ever have doubts? And they go, yeah, I have doubts and stuff like, but so I like, I wonder though, if I ever would have got so really serious about my underlying epistemology uh like how i hmm. know what i know do you like do you know why maybe you cared about what you what you believe was true like do you know why that maybe you thought that like you felt that sorry yeah 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 so um well the you want to know something really ironic 
is mm. that the community that I was a part of actually has idiomatic and like paradigmatic ways of working with things, especially in the Bible, that are exactly that, right? They, the community will say to the faces of the people around them, we care about truth. Don't follow Jesus because it feels good, but because it's true. Yeah. Right. Like the facts of the matter of your salvation don't care about the feelings of your doubts. Right. We, we would say <laughs> shit like this. Right. And yeah. so I'm inculcated and indoctrinated to care about truth to a level that's like absurd. Right. I remember teaching first Corinthians 15 and being like, look, the apostle Paul says, if this isn't true, fuck off and go home. Like, don't, don't do any of this stuff. Right. Oh, you'll have to bleep that. But I didn't say it like no, that no, exactly. No. I said, you know, like, <laughs> we should just all go home and, you know, do whatever else. Right. Like, because yeah. this wouldn't fundamentally matter. Right. Uh, we're most of all to be pitied if we're going to sit in the circle and talk about this stuff. Right. So we, we would position ourselves. Right. Or I was involved in a community that would position itself as these arbiters of truth. Right. And to have resources and people engaged enough with the things that I would argue, like Apologia and Prophet Azad and things like that, um, engaged enough with what I said and understanding the whole picture of where that's coming from and coming to a different conclusion was really important to me. And I was like able to step away and be like, now, wait a minute. I'm, I think like this, right? And there's still Christians or people that say they're Christian and fundamentally disagree with me. And then there's the atheists and skeptics over here that say they care about truth too, but they don't believe any of this, right? Why is that? And yeah. And then I also kind of saw the failure of one of like a core apologetics for Christianity that we used in our community was it's too early to be legend, right? Like that the reporting of these events is too close to the events to just be a fabrication when, yeah. Let's you know, talk about that. in, in 2020, uh, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of half my country thinks that someone else won an election that I don't think they won. <laughs> right. So if time span is our indicator of truth, then if people can become convinced of an entirely different reality in two months with more fact checking and more and like eyewitness testimonies to the country, 4K, 4K, yeah, 4K video, and, yeah, and like the like unlimited an unlimited amount of information at their fingertips versus yep. like you know uh, illiterate pal um you know first century Palestine with like. Like what is it? Like ninety five percent of the people couldn't even read and write. Like they, yeah. they, you would show them a card trick and they would think you were like some sort of a deity. Like it's right. It's... If we put David Blaine in a TARDIS and brought him there, <laughs> I mean, we would be Blaine it, Blaineanity, right? Like his ass would have got crucified, and we'd be worshiping David Blaine. But no, yeah. like yeah, you're totally right. And so the credulity, uh, when you not to say that ancient people were dumb. Like I don't think. No, they weren't. People 2,000 years ago were dumb. However, they just did not have the resources and the cultural credulity that we have now, right? Mm. That to go back and say, now, wait a minute, that sounds really fucky. Like, I don't think that really happened, right? Like, no, like, 
their God narratives, their religious structures primed them for accepting claims like these. And that was mm. normal, you know? Yeah. And so I saw the failures of one of my prime apologetics right before my eyes. Right. And I'm like, well, now if we can doubt something like this in this short a time span, why do I hold so firmly to this? Right. Mm. And so I went on this investigation of like the Exodus and found that super lacking. And I'm like, okay, okay, maybe it's better for Jesus. <laughs> mm. And then I found the truth out about, um, you know, what is the real condition of our manuscript evidence for the New Testament, right? It's these credit card size snippets up until about the year 300 or so. <laughs> yeah. Right? And the early we church fathers, one of the things that I noticed reading them myself is they'll say like, oh, the early church fathers, they, they quote scripture. Well, the references to particular passages are inserted later by apologists, right? To create oh, really? Yeah, so to create the correlation of the Gospel of Matthew to something that like, let's say, um, you know, Byzantinius, I'm making a name up, but, um, or Origen or some, some other dude like yeah. that, right? Right, that that one-to-one -one correlation of an idea, a biblical idea in the Gospels or an epistle being in reference quote for the most part none of the church fathers say as stated by matthew as stated by mark as stated by john you know we learned that blah 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 no they just said as our lord said or or as it is written right it's just a vague general thing that they had from their particular writing tradition right so this one-to-one -one correlation that's happening of church fathers to gospels is mostly a construction of later apologists going in and saying, okay, yeah, that matches up with what we attribute to Matthew. So let's put that reference there. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, and um, excuse me for doing some Bible reading, but um, in uh, John, I remember sitting in a lunchroom reading my Bible and I there was a Chris, uh, an ex-Christian came in and I was in the lunchroom at Woolworths, uh, it was a supermarket in Australia. I was reading and I was reading the Bible and he said, and he, I remember this spun me out. He goes, um, turn to John 7, uh, 38. I'll read from 37. On the last uh, and the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come, um, come to me and drink. And then verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And he's like, There's, that's nowhere in scripture. He's like, that's nowhere in the Old Testament. He's like, he's quoting something that's not in the Bible. And I was oh, just like, oh, yeah. Oh, what? There, there is like, that. Yeah. He's, like, yeah. he's like, look it up. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, but this right. is so perfect. Like, this is the perfect word of God. Like, yeah. Or or Matthew says that he will be called a Nazarene, right? Oh, when that's, yeah. That's nowhere in any Protestant or Catholic um, traditions, right? But mm. around that time period of the writing of Matthew, there arose a cult that... Um, worshipped john the baptist as the messiah and that Brian. uh yeah they're called the nazarenes uh or the uh oh shoot the mandeans um they're those names wow. are kind of interchangeable so maybe at that time period there was a writing that said mm. the messiah will be called a nazarene right and that gives complete credence to why 
the Gospel of John keeps John the Baptist, right? But he's just the forerunner, right? Yeah. That it's an acknowledgement that yes, we understand that you think John the Baptist is the best, but hang on, my friends, Jesus is even better, right? Uh, or how? And in addition to that, right? And and Matthew and Mark also include John the Baptist um, to a significant extent, and that's again why they did it too, right? They include John to basically be in in my mind, rather, I'm not a scholar, but uh, I'm going to pull a Dr. Josh. I'm not a scholar, but in my <laughs> mind, that's their polemical effort to say, now, no, now the Christ is the right tradition, right? Yeah. Not, not the John the Baptist or your, your, you Nazarene guys. No, you're, you're just a step underneath us. Yeah. It's funny too, because um, you think about how much has like changed in because the Bible was canonized in like three sixty or three fifteen AD. Yeah, I learned this. I learned that in Bible uh, in ministry college, and I was like, whoa. But the life expectancy for someone in first century Palestine, I just looked it up. One source says um, thirty five years. One source says twenty nine years. One source says um, forty eight years. So either way, wow. it was. It was younger. Um, if you go off what what these what pe these people are saying on online, well, so, you you know though that I think some of those numbers uh, you have to find the one that um, discounts infant mortality as part of that average. Oh yeah. So like, well, that's probably uh, why we get forty eight versus right, like t t uh, thirty five because that's a yeah. big gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, like, because you obviously there'd be a whole bunch of arguments, but so you've got like, you know, the gospels were written almost a lifetime after the fact. You've mm -hmm. got 30 years, 40 years, and 55 years or something, right? Um, Jesus uh, died roughly 33, 35 CE, between 30 and 33 CE. And then his, um, the first writings were Mark in, um, was it 70 CE? It was a, yeah, they, yeah, they project like uh, even the most conservative scholars, from what I understand, it's like between like 60, late early 60s to early 70s. Yeah. And then we don't actually have full copies until like, I think our first full copy of Mark wasn't until like 250 CE, like many years Easily. later. But it doesn't mean that, yeah. but the originals were still back then. But what's interesting is like, and in Bart Ehrman talks about this in his book, Lost Christianity. There, Christianity was never a monolith of of ideas. No. Like there, there was like the Gnostic Christians. There was what? Well, sorry, what we refer to today as the Gnostic Christians and the Marcionites and the Ebionites. And like mm -hmm. the Marcionites, they rejected the whole Old Testament. They said the yeah. Old Testament <laughs> is an evil deity. Jesus came to save us from this evil deity. And you're like, damn. The Ebionites were like, no, Paul is batshit crazy. <laughs> you got to follow the Old Testament. You got to be a vegetarian. You got to yep. like. Then you have like the Gnostics who were like, Jesus was a phantasm. He was like a ghost. He was never really spirit. Ooh. He was never really here in physical. And then you have like the Proto Orthodox, which eventually is what uh, Constantine um, accepted right. as his form of Christianity, and then it just stamped out that that becoming the head of religion in Rome, like stamped out all the others. But it's like, damn, like what did we lose in that three hundred years? Like, oh my gosh, yeah. You know, it's it's just well if you read if you read uh some of the other church fathers before the nicene creed one of the things that i learned was that there seems to be a very different view of the atonement than how we portray it in modern christendom so like 
uh, how I would have explained like Jesus's atonement on the cross is a once and final finite infinite punishment dished out in a finite amount of time right but back then uh it seems to me from reading the translated works of these early church fathers before the nicene creed is that they viewed the atonement as something that happened is happening and is ever continuing so they had this like atemporal view of their christ figure always like performing the miracle of saving or bringing people to saving faith or redemption. It's just so weird. Like it, we, we don't think of things generally in that kind of framework, right? Especially something as cosmic as the, and in a way, like if you kind of like go back on, like if I went back on my Christian faith and was like, oh yeah, like maybe every time someone gets saved, it's like Jesus gets sacrificed again, which is also like a really weird and kind of fucked up thought, but like, <laughs> but like they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't like put, you know, that person in the Jesus TARDIS and throw them back 2000 years ago for him to get recrucified. Like, no, that's not how they thought of it. They thought of it as like, this, it's this ever happening thing, right? It's, it's almost like um, going to like a perpetual like water fountain, right? At uh, like the mall or something. It's like an outdoor water fountain. Just, it's just, even if you're next to it or not next to it, right? It's still pumping the water through the fountain, right? It's always <laughs> going on. Or like, oh, oh, or like the planets, right? Going around the sun. Like the, that's just something that for all of our existence has always been happening, whether we acknowledge it or not. And that seems to be how they kind of viewed the atonement. And I was just like reading this, like, what the hell, man? Like, this is so interesting. Why wasn't I told this stuff as a Christian? Yeah. <laughs> it's um there's there's so much like really interesting stuff hey when you like dig into it and i've found reading the bible is so much more interesting now that i don't have to protect my beliefs right um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah it's, it's become super interesting like on my um, channel so for halloween uh the intro to my stream was what are some terrible biblical costumes that you could have <laughs> Like, and I thought of going as like a uh, pile of 200 flesh flaps and then people would be like, what the hell are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just the dowry for a wife. It's cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's this, um, I, I, I wish I had the same idea, but when I didn't, but there is an amazing book, uh, that is just so good. Hang on, let me just let me just load it. And yeah, it's, it's good, a little not it's a little not safe for work. Um, but it's it's I think it's okay. So it's this a whole it's podcast a, it's, is not been it's, safe for work. <laughs> it's a it's a children's book. Um, but uh, written like it's a children's book with children's like cartoons, but it's like retells the Bible stories. So, and just this this image was just amazing. <laughs> the king of the foreskins. And it's oh just my got God. like for this daughter's hand in marriage, oh King God. Saul wanted no less than 100 Philistine foreskins. David really wanted to become the son-in-law of a powerful king. Took his men and killed enough Philistines to bring back 200 foreskins. <laughs> David counted them all in front of the king as promised. He was a ward of the princess. I just love, and the king's like, "Oh my God!" Like, thank you so much. <laughs> happily counting out the foreskins. <laughs> like, it's just amazing. Like, oh my God, you can't, you can't make it up. Um, 
Wow, which wow, reminds wow. me, I've got to get a, I've wow. got to get that for uh, our child. It's coming along in uh, uh, January twenty. What, what's the title of this date. book so that I may purchase it? Um, oh, I have to find out. Um, Send it to me in the private. If you yeah, okay, know. yeah. I, I don't actually know, but but um, I just googled. Um, what did I Google to get this just then? Cartoon Bible book foreskin. So just Google that, <laughs> and then you'll probably find it. Um, now but, we're um, on some list. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, but um, Nidhi, I, I want to end um the podcast there, but um, and just sure, move sure, over sure. to some Q and Q and A. Um, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of questions. If anyone has any questions for Nidhi, uh, make sure you um comment them. But I've got a couple that I ask all the guests. So mm -hmm. um, I'll start off with them, and if anyone got any other questions, we'll um we'll answer them as well. But um i know we were going to talk about purity culture but i think we're going to save it for another time but um but, sure but, yeah. yeah um you can come over to my channel and do that yeah let's do that i got lots of stories about that um uh, so what if anything would change your mind Ooh, yeah that's an important one um well uh i think that when I talk, so I also do work in public with a sign at a coffee shop that says it's best to be an atheist in 2022, let's talk. And strangers come up to me and we have like honest conversations about what we believe, why we believe it, stuff like that. And do you, do you put that online? No, I don't. No. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. I just do it to do it. So um, I have the miracle, the flying phone. It's my wet, wet napkin kind of thing. So I say, like, if I pray right now in the name of Jesus, I hold up my cell phone and say, if I pray right now in the name of Jesus, who died for our sins, according to the scriptures, right, that this phone would float to prove the truth of a sacrifice, and it floats, we're done, right? It, it, it's over. Like, I'm going to not strain my credulity or my mind or my lived experience and just say, yep, like, I am not an experienced magician <laughs> or, like, you know, sleight of handist or anything like that. If that thing floats, I'm done. Like, I believe. Okay. Like, sign mm. me back up. I'm going to start performing my miracle, the floating phone everywhere. Right. Mm. Um, but that's one thing. Another thing that would be just an answer to one of my prayers uh, when I was in the deconversion process, which was I prayed that because I saw the epistemological gap in the reporting of the Gospels to uh, their alleged events, I prayed to receive a, uh, a manuscript, a more complete manuscript closer to the events. Mm. Not even like that it could be dated to like the day of the crucifixion, right? I just asked God for something lesser than that, right? Like just mm. anything to assuage my doubt that like this was like a later creation or invention, right? And mm. going through the unanswerdness of that prayer was uh, pretty brutal. But if that got answered, right, I would be like, okay, like what does this thing say? Like, let's get into it. Let's ham through that text. Like, mm. I, I, I'll stand by that prayer, even though I offered it like, you know, two years ago at this point. Well, it's, that's actually really interesting that you say that. I, I've often thought about, like, how prayers are answered. And when people, like, pray and they get, like, a sign from God, whether it's, like, a number or they get, 
like you know, they feel they, they they open their Bible and and the scripture really speaks to them and it's God telling them they love them or anything. The yeah. information that God always seems to give to people seems to be um, something that they could find out themselves, or it's like a coincidence, or it's like it's like something that humanity already knows about, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's something like crazy, like. I need my wife to tell me it's okay. Things are going to get better, you know, um, where, you know, or something. And then it happens. Like even something like that is, it's not really new information. I'm like, mm -hmm. why doesn't God say, Hey, um, you know, and I've asked, I've asked apologists this who say that God talks to them all the time. I say, Hey, we'll ask them, what gene do you want us to look at that would solve cancer that would fix cancer for everyone? Oh yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time, well, actually, times that I've actually asked this, um, they say, well, there is a cure to cancer. And then they, you know, of course, they believe that there's this sort of cure to cancer with like apricot seed, garlic rubbing on garlic on your ankles or hopping, oh skipping, hopping four times. So they, of course, so they, they believe that stuff. But I'm like, I'm like, no, I mean, like a gene that we could, you know, we could get some sort of a vaccine for cancer. Like, yeah, literally, yeah. well, of course, usually they're anti-vaxxers as well. But the point is, like, why doesn't God give us new information? Information that's right. like, further, even if you're not a, even if you're not a scientist. Yeah. Hey, go tell the scientists to look at this one thing. Just go do, just tell them to look at this one gene or this one thing. It will solve it. Like, yeah, Apologia's thing, it would be like if he was revealed some kind of mathematical proof, right? Because he has zero background in like mathematics or something. I think it's him who said that. Or like mm. uh, Camille Greger, who uh, studies like ancient manuscripts and things like that. He's like, if we found like a gospel fragment in South Africa or they're sorry, in South America, right. Uh, that we could date to around that time period. And there's like mm. no sensical way that that text could end up over there. <laughs> right. Mm. It's like underneath some fucking Mayan temple. Right. And they unearth this thing and like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, it's got Even a depiction of the Christ and John the Baptist <laughs> is in here and whoa, oh my God. But even then, it's like, why would you have to find that? Like, what if God wants to know us, why can't sure. we? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Someone asked a question, though. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Seeking asked, if you were in a life-threatening situation, would you pray? Just curious. Probably. I'll still put that mm -hmm. in, like, a probably right now. Because, like, I mean, who doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I I'll, I'll be that guest who, you know, frustrates your hardline... <laughs> atheists and stuff it's like oh, oh can't you be the atheist cares. in the foxhole can't you be strong enough it's like well maybe i don't know yeah, yeah. and i'm actually uh, I, a firm believer that you don't really know who you'll be tomorrow like, yeah th there there's like a set of circumstances or life events that can fundamentally offer alter your psychology to the point where you'll act in ways that you never personally expected that you might act and so I'm willing to be completely agnostic as to how I would respond to a life-threatening situation. Uh, maybe I would pray. Maybe I would just be like, oh, God, I'm finally getting off the ride. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who knows? And the this, only reason this... I think that way is from freaking Darren Brown and like the kind of stuff that he does with people. But there's uh i've got a bit of a story time just to say that cause that's just because it's so super relevant to what we're talking about um so i used to go spearfishing right and mm -hmm. this is point art right where i used to live so i used to live like down here near mount Coulomb. um so point art right um it looks small here right but what you would do is can you see that fine 
Yeah, you yeah, see that all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So what you do is like this is a big cliff and stuff, and I'd walk along these rocks and stuff, and you get to I think it was, I think you'd get in the water about here. Um, I think it was here. Uh, yeah, it was. It's it's here. So you, it was like shallow, right? You get in, you put your flippers on, you put your fins on. I get my spear gun and stuff. But this time, this one time, I came and it was the biggest swell that we've ever had. But I wasn't wearing my glasses when I rocked up, so I just kind of saw white, and I was like, eh, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. And I put on my um gear, and I was getting in the water, and I kicked out to this section here, and I ended up in in front of here, like without my um like without any option to get out so essentially there were like waves that were like you know a couple of meters high coming in this way this way this way and i was like in a washing machine just getting pushed oh around. rip current yeah yeah oh no it was worse than a rip current the rip current just pulls you out but this was like this was like one wave coming in here one wave coming in here one wave coming in here oh. and it was just like like floating like bouncing around like this so I was drowning. I couldn't. I couldn't get out. Like, and I couldn't kick hard enough with my fins to stay above the water. Uh, and I realized. I like. I. I said. To, I thought to myself. Like, I analyzed the situation. What's like? What's happening right now? I was screaming for help. There were people watching, but they couldn't do anything. And um. And I said, "What am I going to do?" And I calculated. And I was like, "There's probably a fifty percent chance I'm gonna like. There's over a fifty percent chance I'm gonna die now. Like, oh, in this situation." And um. And I decided that what I would do, uh, and I thought, okay, I'm going to pray, right? Oh. So I thought to myself, like, I'll I'll pray to God, uh, and 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 I was deconstructing at the time, and I said, I'll pray to God, and um, and you know, say that I'll commit my life back to Him, and I'll live a righteous life, and all this stuff, like you know, I guess pleading. I was panicked, uh -huh. and then it was at that moment that I realized I didn't believe in God. And that mm. at that moment, I realized that I was like alone in my mm. situation, and I realized I was probably gonna die. And I realized like, oh, like fuck. And that that realization of like, I don't believe. I probably don't. I don't believe in God. Like, I'm not convinced of the existence of God. Like, even if I did pray, mm. I didn't think it would matter. And then s s secondly, that I'm probably gonna die was terrifying. So what I ended up doing actually is um, the only way I could get out of this was swim into the rocks because that was the only way that I could get out. And so I swam into the rocks and I got absolutely minced up and threw off my, you know, $200 fins and like stumbled across the rocks. I fell back in the water over here. Um, and I like, I got out of the main part of the swell though, but I was just cut up bleeding everywhere. And um, wow, I don't, I don't know if I bashed my head, but when I went to, I got taken to the hospital and when I got home, um, I, I come home. My wife didn't answer her phone and I, I drive the car up. I'm covered in blood. I'm like, you never answer your phone. And she's like, oh my God. She runs out and she gets oh my God. and tries me in the wow. hospital. I'm like, you never answer your phone. Why do you never answer your phone? <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> but yeah, it happened so, so quickly. But it was crazy to to be like, to, to, to like I've had that experience where wow. I was in real danger yeah. and I was like, okay, time to pray. And then the realization of, uh-oh, like I don't, know if i believe it like it's not like it was a choice right um, right but at the same time i don't know like if i'm being 100 honest like that maybe that was like some like pride i didn't know about or ego or something but i don't know but like all i know hmm. is that's how i how i um yeah how i went through it um sorry to to no no that was great but well i mean um, sorry you went through that but i'm glad you're here <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
I was actually I was actually on a diet, um, like trying to lose some weight and exercising. That's why I was surfing. And on the way back from the hospital, I said to um Amy, I was like, well, let's go to McDonald's. <laughs> I've got like a big double quarter pounder. I was like, mm, mm. <laughs> like eating my feelings. <laughs> and I didn't go to work for three days. I just took Valium and just lay there like, okay, it's eat your name's sake. Yeah. So last question. Um, sure, what sure. is the most plausibly true religion that you don't believe in? I mean, um, no, not poop. Um, I think some form of like unfalsifiable deism is what I could like get on board with. Like, I um, think that that's true. Like, like, the, the like some or... prime mover, yeah, like those base arguments for god i still could like maybe grant some of that or some of those so maybe ideas. so like a so like a weak form of deism or something right right yeah 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 but that's oh, not yeah. it's not a great answer to your question though because you know like i guess like some form of like a dirty word here but like maybe like some kind of uh marcionite type of christianity maybe right mm. like that i that like the christ narrative and philosophy of an all-loving god that wants to restore relationship to its creation which is demonstrably like you know difficult for its created beings if all that's true um mm. but i think if we remove the belief that that God requires you acknowledge it, that that God um, requires you to reform in any particular ways, but loves you in spite of those kinds of things and offers, you know, restoration, irregardless of, you know, lived experience or circumstances and things like that. I, I would find that really, if there's one in a million, <laughs> Chance. <laughs> William Lane Craig. I'll lower my bar maybe for that. I'm just kidding. That's so funny. He got so much flack for that. Um, and our it's, community of it was you know, easy, channels or easy, whatever. Yeah. yeah easy it was easy, easy picking. But I think what he was actually saying in that, and not to not to be an apologist for William Lane Craig, is like mm -hmm. it's such a great story that you know it's it's such a good idea that you know. I don't think he was actually making the syllogism. Oh, I don't know. I haven't looked right. into it too much. Yeah, but yeah. um he wasn't anyway, really doing Pascal's wager. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nindy, thank you so much for coming on Deep Drinks. Uh, oh, yeah. I hope you've had a great time. And uh we'll have to continue this again another Absolutely. time when we do some purity culture. I'll have to come on your channel and of course I'll always yeah. be uh excited too. So um thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to say before we close off? Um hmm. Yeah, if you come over to my channel, just know it's a goofy place. Uh, nobody's perfect. We try to respect <laughs> each other. Um, and we try to have fun with talking about what we believe, what we don't believe. Um, and if you come on over, uh, leave comments because I comment on every comment. And I love to engage with my uh, subscribers and or at least heart you because I, I, I acknowledge you. I know you're there. And I care about you and I hope you care about me and my journey. So yeah, I want to extend yeah. that kind of uh, sense of belonging 
uh, and validate people's expression. Uh, yeah, that's all very important stuff to me. And uh, the longer we spend talking, the less time we spend shooting. And that's <laughs> Nitty. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Nitty. Uh, mm -hmm. See you guys later on Deep Drinks Podcast. <laughs>